Hello, and welcome to another episode of EdChoice Chats. My name is Mike McShane, and I'm Director of National Research at EdChoice. Today's podcast is part of a new series we're embarking upon called Cool Schools, wherein we will profile passionate educators around the country and the schools that they lead. This podcast series has two goals. Uh, The first is simply celebration. Starting a new school or running a great existing school is hard work. Too often, it's a thankless job. So we want to celebrate people who are trying something new and different and kick the tires on their ventures to uncover lessons that they've learned and can share with other educators around the country. The second goal is to try and stretch folks' mind about what is possible in education. As educational choice supporters, we at EdChoice spend a healthy amount of our time trying to promote educational options that don't exist yet. We push for states to pass laws that create the conditions for great new schools to open and scale, but many people struggle to wrap their minds around exactly what that might look like. In this podcast, we're going to highlight some of those potentialities. With quality school choice programs, innovative models like the ones we talk about here could be coming to a city near you. You know, at the outset, I would like to say that uh, we're not going to try and use this podcast to adjudicate whether or not these are quote-unquote good or bad schools. We're not going to examine their reading and math scores and ask them why their fourth graders aren't up to snuff. We are going to ask about mistakes that they've made, lessons they've learned, advice that they would give, and related questions that should be helpful for anyone listening, even if you're skeptical of their educational model or pedagogical strategy. I'm always on the lookout for more cool schools to profile, so if you know of one of those in your neck of the woods, please let me know about it. So today on the podcast, I am talking to Carrie Beckman of Regina Chaley Academies. Now, this is a really interesting school model. It's a a kind of hybrid homeschool, and it'll be interesting because um, Carrie is clear that what they're doing is not technically a school. It's a university model. It's a sort of educational environment for children where children attend classes two days a week and are homeschooled for three days a week. Now, I've been particularly interested in this as homeschool has become more popular. The price of homeschooling has gone down because of online resources and and other things. But there's still lots of families that want to have their children have some kind of formalized educational environment for some part of the week. So uh, Regina Chaley is a specifically Catholic model of this. There are other religious and non-religious models of this uh, cropping up. I think just if, if my money is betting on the future, I think this is going to become an increasingly popular educational modality. And so I'm really interested to talk to people who are doing it to understand what lessons they've learned. Um, and uh, so all of that good stuff. So Regina Chaley is this model. It serves about 1,100 students in 12 cities in seven states. Um, really looking forward to this conversation with Carrie Beckman, the founder of Regina Chaley. So I think maybe the best place for us to start uh, in talking about Regina Chaley is at the beginning. So how did, how did you get uh, the idea for this uh, educational model? Where, where, did the, where did all of this start? So some now 15 years ago, I had been in a position where the best option for education for my children was to homeschool. And I want you to understand that some eight weeks before that decision, I had said I would never homeschool. (laughs) So being in that position, you can see, was not something that 
um, was a personal desire at that point. Although, of course, you know, as God's providence would have it, I feel like it was the best decision ever for my children. So kind of going back to that point, though, in life, the public school was not an option for many obvious reasons. The private schools in the area were also not really a good option for us. And quite frankly, for the amount of money that we would pay, we were not seeing the results sure. of both higher education and excellence and moral education and excellence. We just didn't see that fruit. So we began a journey where we realized that as parents, we were going to have to kind of go out on our own. And um, as we started that journey, it became very clear, though, that there is a particular necessity for some students, not all, but some students to have accountability and um, to have a classroom experience can really be motivating to them. But what I didn't want is I didn't want peers to be the ultimate influence over my kids, right? I wanted the ultimate influence of my children to be our family. And so I was inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to kind of um, develop a two-day-a-week model where the students would go to a classroom setting and have great Socratic discussions, which are discussions that are led by the students, not by the tutor or the teacher, but led by the students. So they develop leadership skills, they develop an ability to more clearly articulate thoughts and ideas, and to develop good logical argument, which I believed and still believe, tragically, is really lost in today's education. So these students then would be able to educate themselves through the guidance of tutors. So we would teach them how to learn, which quite frankly is the best gift we can ever receive. So many of us have heard the, uh, I guess it's the saying, right? The saying of fish for a man and you fed him for a day, teach him to fish and he's fed for life. Well, that premise, is so missed in education. These days, we feel like if we, and even honestly, back when I was in high school, it was kind of this, you know, cram information in, spit it out, and dump it. That is not education. Education is rather when we have a particular knowledge that then can be applied, right, and applied science of knowledge, that's education. Education is really when you train the mind to form the soul, to train, train the mind to form the person, the human person. And, and we see this very clearly now where we have, I mean, we have like unbelievable, you know, cheating scandals going on at top universities where, you know, and you sit there and you say, well, why is this happening now? Right? Where, where's the ethics? Well, if we are not teaching a man to his morals, we're basically educating very good potential criminals. Sure. And so all of those things we saw as a very serious epidemic in education, and we wanted to make a change. So we founded Regina Chaley Academy as a two-day-a-week university model program that could really teach the mind to train the character of the soul. And, and also, this is another beautiful thing, right? I mean, so many of us, me included, self-accused, 
we, when we were in the classroom, we were all about how do I get the A? What do I need to know to get the A? That's not having a love of learning, right? That's not having a love of learning. What I see with these hybrid students, these homeschool university model students, is they truly have a love to learn. They gobble it up. They're sponges. You know, and you, and you think to yourself, well, what makes them unique? Well, this is what I believe, Mike. I believe what makes them unique is they are no longer in an environment where it is discouraged to be that sponge, both by their peers, we see this in education, and sometimes no fault of their own by the teachers, because the pressure that's put on teachers today to make the test score is so incredible. And when they've got 30 or 33 kids looking at them, they're pushing, they're pushing for that test score. And that doesn't allow the individual to ask the question, to go deeper, right? We have a very wide breadth of education and not a depth of education anymore. And at Regina Chaley Academy, we say deep is better than wide. So you started uh, this sort of with your own family. How large is Regina Chaley now? How many students does it serve? So now we serve 1,100 students in 12 cities and in seven states. We began in Atlanta 15 years ago with 15 families and 50 students. So if we think of this from the student's perspective, right, so three days a week they are homeschooled, and then two days a week they come into, I know school is not necessarily the best word, the words kind of fall apart here, but they they come into the learning center. Could you maybe walk through what their day is like? So their day is very scheduled, those two days. They would have all of the humanities. They would have math and science, science labs. They would cover the entire breadth of what is needed for a good, solid classical education, including Latin. Latin is also required in our program. It begins at third grade. Um, And so, you know, I guess if you were just to kind of pop in there, because they do wear uniforms, it may look like a school, but it it is not a school. And the reason, well, a couple of reasons. One, we don't meet the the legal, you know, ramifications, if you will, or the criteria of, you know, do you meet 185 days? No, we don't. You know, we meet twice a week for 32 weeks. Um, And then the other part of it is we want the parents to remain the primary educators because we believe strongly that the family is the best formation for the person. And so if we were to take on more of those hours in the academy setting, the peers then would start to be forming each other rather than the family forming the peer, you know, being the peer influence there. So, so that's, that's kind of when you talk about, you know, the words kind of fall apart. They do because we want to always classify things. I think that's what, you know, kind of the world that we live in. But if you were to think about an academy for homeschoolers two days a week, where literally every class has a kind of very much, that's why we call it a university model. It's very much like college, right? So when we go to college, we generally attend our classes two days a week, and we do outside learning and preparation for those classes those two days a week. Does that make sense? Totally. So what is tuition at Regina Chaley? So tuition is um, 4000 per student in the high school and 3250 in the elementary school per student. 
And then, of course, we have a family cap of, you know, you pay for four students. Any more students than that would go for free. So it's also very affordable, um, which is something that, you know, we're, we're really in an epidemic in this country um, because we've, we're really challenged with making schools affordable. And so this is kind of the answer to that model as well. So how do you measure success? How do you know that what you're doing is working? That's a very good question, and one that that you know I think is um, is is interesting because if you look at the history of the classical methodology, you know this is where our great minds come from. You know Aristotle, Plato. You know they were all classically um, Socrates. They were all classically trained, and um, and so you know our our greatest sciences and our math philosophy all come from these philosophers. And so what we're doing is we're actually giving our students foundational understanding of each of those things as well as practical application. So at the end of the day, what do we see? Well, we're not a STEM program, so people say, well, what are your ACT and your ACT math and science scores? Well, they're phenomenal. You know, we, on average, we're on the ACT, um, you know, we're like, I think it's about seven points ahead of the national average in each of those areas. And of course, with reading, we completely blow um, standardized testing out of the water because our students read on average greater than four hours per week than any other student. And when I say on average, I really think that's low. I really think our students read even more than that. I know my own kids in my own homeschool, they're required to read two hours a day starting in the second grade. So I mean, if you think about that, and I'm talking about reading in a book, not reading anything online, no Kindles, like an actual book that you open and you read. And, you know, what I found is that obviously I have my oldest son is um, 24 and, and uh, grad school, going to grad school this, uh, this fall at Catholic University of America. And, um, you know, he is, he's addicted to reading, right? And his younger brother, who's 21, addicted to reading, you know? Um, and, and it's a great thing. Like, that's a great thing to be addicted to, right? If you're sure, going to have a hobby, reading, you know, and, and the thing about reading is that if we read, then the things like math and science, we're going to be excellent scientists and we're going to be excellent mathematicians. And so I think where we fall down with the STEM programs is we, we put too much focus on things like you know, equations rather than understanding what does that equation do? Where did it come from? Who discovered it? Yeah, the whole history of science. Exactly. You have to have that. In order for the mind to really grapple what it is we're doing, there has to be a basis for understanding. So when you look at like, okay, how do we measure success? Well, every single one of our students who have graduated from this program in 15 years has been able to apply, be accepted, and get into their college of first choice. So that would be like how the world would measure success from a, do you, you know, do you get educated to get a job? But at Regina Chaley Academy, we say that not only, I mean, that's like secondary fruit. What we think is the greater fruit is to have educated men and women that are in the world, both as moms and dads and contributing citizens, right? Great minds that can think deeply and critically about everything, not just about a specific genre to get a specific job. I mean, really what that is, that's vocational education, right? That's vocational school. 
And vocational schools serve that purpose. But what we're saying is we want students who are, are fit to be well-rounded in anything so that, you know, if you choose to be a plumber, that's great. And we need plumbers. Those are important parts of, of our world. But that you can really understand how plumbing works and who discovered plumbing and why did they discover it? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at people who are very inquisitive, and, and that's what we see in our students. They don't just check out the box to get the grade. So now I'm a public policy guy, so I have my own biases in asking some of these questions. But I would be interested because I know homeschooling regulation varies from state to state. Private schooling uh, laws, et cetera, vary from state to state. I'd just be curious. Are there public policies that get in your way or that, that say, you know, we're able to operate in some states and not others? Do they pre- present barriers for, for creating schools in, in particular areas? Just kind of how does, how does your work intersect with the world of public policy? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and it's, it's varied throughout the United States. Each state kind of has their own homeschooling laws, right? But I think for the most part, um, the states that we operate in are, are very good. I would say certainly New York is very difficult um, and can be difficult to homeschool in in terms of the kinds of, you know, documentation parents have to provide and, and things like that. Um, I'm hoping that as time is marching on and we're seeing the fruits of homeschoolers, I mean, you know, every year we look at who wins, you know, the geography bee and who, you know, it's the homeschoolers. Sure. Every year we see this. Um, now, of course, we have these crazy situations that happen like that family in, in California, but you know, that's the far, far, far minority and far, far, far extreme case, right? Most homeschoolers today, you know what they are? They're basically good parents who are really trying to give their kids the best possible education. That's who's homeschooling today. You know, when I was in school, I do remember a few kids being kind of pulled out and homeschooled, and it was because they couldn't say the pledge or, you know, those kinds of a very specific um, religious concerns. Now we see that since we've taken God out of pretty much everything, right, um, parents who are just basically normal families are homeschooling, if you look out in your neighborhood. So I hope and pray that as we move forward, our country realizes that when we empower parents to do their job, we're going to end up with better citizens. And I think that our statistics are showing that with homeschooling, and I think very much that as time marches on, we're going to even see that more clearly. So I would be interested to know, um, as you look to the future, what do you see the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years holding for Regina Chaley? I mean, that's a great question, too, because 15 years ago, I could have never seen that we would be, you know, 12 campuses, seven states, and 1,100 students. Um, You know, admittedly, I was putting together this program very selfishly for my children, and I'm, I'm thankful that God used my selfishness to now help so many families because it's, it's, it's an honor to be able to help families in this way. But I would say that, you know, um, sky's the limit, really, honestly. And I, and I hope and pray that our country continues to be that place of opportunity for education and providing multiple avenues for parents to be able to give their kids what it is their kid needs very specifically 
because I think that's the key. And so I hope that Regina Chaley can keep growing and offering our university model hybrid approach to families who maybe they don't have, you know, a lot of formal education, right? Maybe they didn't finish college. Well, you know what? You can homeschool through Regina Chaley Academy if you didn't finish college. You don't need to have a college degree because we have the, you know, degreed tutors who can tutor your students through, through Latin and physics and calculus. So that's the beautiful thing is that with these kinds of programs, these hybrid university model programs, parents now don't have to have the onus on them to have a particular desire for, um, you know, gosh, I wish I could teach Latin and then I could homeschool, but, but because I can't, I can't. That's not the case anymore. There's so many resources. So anyone now who desires this kind of education for their children can absolutely have it. And I think that's the beautiful thing. And I hope that the United States and our laws continue to allow this kind of freedom of choice for parents. Sure. Are there other kind of hybrid homeschool models that y'all look to for uh, inspiration or from lessons learned or, or, or others? Like where do you get sort of the ideas to do what you, you all want to do? So we were the first Catholic, you know, we are a Catholic model, um, we use a Catholic curriculum, but there are other Protestant um, models out there, and certainly we, you know, we talk to them and we're engaged with them on some things that, you know, lessons learned and, um, and of course, you know, how we hire and good hiring practices for tutors and all of those great things and, you know, student safety, and we look to all of that um, so that we're working cohesively. But I would say that, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's a very unique, seemingly education approach, but I think it's going to be the way of the future. I really do. I think as, you know, private school is pricing itself out of the, the, the middle class family and public school continues to be not an option because of, quite frankly, public policies. I think that university model education is going to become more and more accessible to parents. And, and that's a very exciting thing. So I want to close with two questions. Um, one, where do you find your tutors? Where do you get them? How do you train them? Um, uh, it seems to be a very, I mean, uh, a demanding or, or certainly high-level expectations for them. So where do those folks come from? How do you get them up to speed? So believe it or not, a lot of our tutors happen to be the, our parents in our program, um, you know, assuming that they're qualified, right? Assuming that they have the background and expertise, but so many of them uh, do, right? Most of our families are very high professional families. Um, and the mother or the father in some cases has taken, you know, the sacrifice, has made the sacrifice to take a step back from their career and homeschool their children. And, and so we hire them. We hire certainly um, young graduates that have come through, you know, good, strong, um, either liberal arts education, rigorous classical, you know, education programs so they can handle the philosophy and the humanities and the Latin. Um, so it's kind of a, it's beautiful. Like we have uh, a good example is a first grade tutor who's amazing here in Atlanta. And, um, you know, she had, she's a, she has a master's degree in emerging reading and had been an amazing first and second grade teacher for years and then stayed home with her children 
and then really just wanted to work part time. Well, that's really a tough, you know, uh, ask for a teacher. There's just not a lot of part time jobs. But now with hybrid education at Regina Chaley, guess what? I can give you a part time job and then you can dedicate the rest of your week to your children. So it's been such a perfect fit for her. She's been with us for eight years. She's an incredible emerging reading teacher. She's helped so many of us parents learn how to help our kids if they're struggling through, you know, that emerging reading time. And, um, and what a gift, you know, gift for her because she gets to be primarily a mom, but still give her gifts and talents to, to people who are also educating their children. So it works as a beautiful partnership that way. How do we train them? So every summer, everyone is required because we are fully accredited to go through summer training. And we train them not just in curriculum, but we train them in methodology. That's Socratic methodology, discussion-based learning, because our teachers who come to us that are degree teachers, oftentimes they were not trained that way. They were trained in lecture-based education, which is passive learning. What we want them to do is engage the student in active learning. So we literally go through role-playing on how to do an active participation learning for teaching, you know, Algebra 1, for example. How would I teach Algebra 1 in a more active way versus passive lecture way? And we show them and instruct them. Every summer, everybody goes through it. It's a great reminder to all of us, and, um, and we believe that training is an important part of, of making those two days, you know, very, very, very um, excellent and, and uh, incredibly efficacious time when we only have the students two days a week. Sure, absolutely, making the most of it. So my last question to you is a question that I close um, almost all of these podcasts out with, and that is if you could go back in time to 15 years ago when you were getting started and give yourself one piece of advice, sort of knowing what you know now and all the experience you've had from, from then until now, what, what advice would you give yourself? To have more patience. I think that as a homeschooling mom and as a founder of what's become a, a large organization, um, patience is really key to being able to have the stick with itness that we need, fortitude that we need. And um, and I didn't have I didn't have a lot of patience at that point in my life. You know, I had uh, seven children, six children actually at the time. I have eight now. I had six children at the time, and um, you know, I just felt like life was stressful. And, and now looking back, I, I, that's the one piece of advice, Mike, that I would say is, you know, if you're, if you're forging things um, new for education out there to bring about a, a greater excellence to our, our country and education, just have patience and, and endurance because good things will come if your intentions are rightly geared towards the end goal being that you are serving others. Carrie Beckman, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me, Mike. God bless you and all your work. Thank you. What an interesting conversation. Um, I hope that uh, that was as interesting for everybody else as it was for me. Like I said before we started, I'm really fascinated in this hybrid homeschooling model. Um, driving down that cost, as she said, between sort of 3000 and I think $4,500 it ended up working out to be, or 4000 4000 for high school, 3250 for elementary school. 
I mean, I think that's starting to get in kind of a sweet spot where lots of families um, might be able to do that or folks that are that, that want to homeschool but are intimidated by it. I mean, this this seemed this model seems to solve a lot of problems uh, that people who might be tempted to homeschool or might want to try some kind of hybrid um, education modality would be interested in. So I thought that was fascinating, the lessons that she learned around patience and all those just really interesting with implications far beyond the the individual model that we were talking about. Um, as always, please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, that would be great for all of us here. Um, you'll get not just cool schools, but the really interesting other podcasts that my colleagues here at EdChoice do with uh, education figures, with researchers, um, with sort of updates for legislation that's happening around the country. There's a whole bunch of great podcast content. If you also sign up for our email list, um, you can get all of the written content, video content, cool stuff that we do here. You can kind of customize your profile to get the types of stuff that you're interested in. And as always, if you have uh, interesting, cool schools that are worth profiling that we should talk about, please tweet them to me at MQ underscore McShane. Uh, Thanks so much for spending this time with us and talk to you soon about another cool school. (laughs) 